Thank you for listening in with me at Seeking Eye. A little bit about myself. My name is Darren, and I use the surname Mac online just for simplicity's sake because my full surname is much more difficult to remember. I established the Seeking Eye project to research the nature of life, death and beyond. I have since set up events, interviews and debates with some of the leading thinkers and researchers on the subjects, the results of which I share freely as discussions or podcast episodes on the Seeking Eye YouTube channel and Podbean profile. Until now, I have funded this project myself, but as the costs of producing and publishing my work have risen, I am now reaching out for support via DonorBox and Patreon. If you support Seeking Eye monthly through Patreon, you will receive certain rewards depending on which tier you sign up for. You can donate to the project via buttons which you will find online at seeking-i.com. You can also find the links to both of these in the description beneath each YouTube video and Podbean podcast episode. Of course, there is no obligation, but all donations will be gratefully received and used exclusively to improve this project. Thank you very much. I mean, many religions, especially in the East, mention things like different levels of heaven, like the seven levels of heaven, um, and people that have um, had regressions, especially with, you know, the work of Dr. Michael Newton. I've heard the name, but I don't, I don't yeah, know the Journey name. of Souls, Destiny of Souls. He was a um, hypnotherapist who did Life Between Life regressions, and they talk about there's different levels of the afterlife or the spirit world or whatever you want to call it. So do you think then that this physical level is kind of one aspect of experience and there are different levels as, as they describe it sounds like definitely yes because i mean again and i know more like um seth uh, seth talks it's a similar kind of thing where it's um and a little bit like well it's kind of like um i don't know if you know seth talks but she she basically channeled and her husband uh, annotated uh, or transcribed and very intelligent. So even if it's from the subconscious, it's still very fascinating. And that did talk about it. What it did say, though, which was interesting, was that the belief system that you have with the egoic mind upon death, you quite you will you know you'll face that. I guess in the same way as placebo and nocebo. So if you believe in a hell, even though there's no again because it's within a construct and it's infinite possibilities or whatever, but because of that belief system. You enter into a different realm and you will potentially spend great time maybe in this position that is self-mind created in the law of attraction kind of way, but there are kind of guides to take you away from there. So they're kind of saying that, yes, there are other potential realms, but you know, you're given that more freedom of the lack of linearity, but you're self-creating that. So that very much will depend heavily on your belief system as well. So is that the sort of thing that's come through from your readings of it and understanding it? Yeah, I mean, my my understanding or my belief, I suppose, because this sort of thing you can never know for sure. It's always going to be a belief. But it, but my belief in this sort of thing is that whatever comes after death is very mind orientated. And it's going to be kind of a level of, of mind as opposed to a level of physical. Uh, people say about hell and heaven being physical places. To me, 
that doesn't make sense to me it's more a state of mind um, and you yeah. see with out of body experiences that an astral projection they call it that goes to these different realms allegedly they say that the mind is very um influential over the over the nature of the of the place which is a lot more fluid you know you, you think of something you think of a pink spotted purple dragon or something and one appears you know so it's very mind orientated and it seems that from the work of uh, William Buhlman as well um, who mentions that there are consensus realities which are created by kind of mass belief systems and mass human minds so yeah. people that are Christians may experience themselves in a Christian heaven or a Christian hell depending on what they expect to happen so it seems very that your ex your expectation kind of dictates your reality but I think one, one question that people have you mentioned about channeling people that have channeled these spirits or, or individuals from these realms anybody kind of with a a practical mindset to science and that will say well how can we be sure that they are channeling what they say how do we know that these are coming from discarnate beings as opposed from a creation of their own imagination or, or fraud well that's difficult really that's probably outside that that's probably i mean all, all that would be said is that ultimately it appears because of the fact there is a singularity that even though there are infinite points of consciousness that they are all of one mind anyway. So the dead ones, the live ones, the historic ones, the Einstein ones, ultimately are kind of, you know, in, 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 in that kind of sense are, when you're channeling an invention or whatever, there are, you know, so the, so I, I, in, in, in its ultimate position, then you are actually all of one person, a bit like the Jim Carrey, there is no Jim Carrey, you know, I was just here as a great ride and whatever. I was glad to play the part sort of thing. So I suppose in that sense, there's probably not actually that much difference between whether it is an access via subconscious or something that's deemed to be of a of something dead that's residing there because they, in a sense, they're kind of the same thing if you look at it that, in that mm. light. So, uh, so I suppose a better way of putting it would help. How can we know that this channeling, the information we receive from the channeling is of ontological significance to the way that the world is as opposed to just a figment of the channel's imagination which doesn't have a base in ontological reality well here's where it's probably quite interesting because i would say that the science itself can show that the the place where the subconscious is getting its information from anyway which is the true place if we discard the fact that what we consider the physical material realm as having a true reality even though the science will measure more and more accurately the mathematics that creates the binary, that's just getting inside a Pac-Man game and describing all the details about the colour of the pills, how fast the Pac-Man moves, how long you've got before you eat it. So it's information and knowledge about nothing really other than the game where actually all you needed to know was a programmer's intent uh, together with binary coding uh, the rest is actually, and it's the same here, you can know Latin, you can know all the plants, you can know all descriptions, but if they're actually a description of binary, which is mind-made creation, then not, none of the information, none of the language, coming first in university to challenge, uh, money, the whole thing actually is that kind of video game. So in that sense, it, it, you're then saying that the only true reality um, is the quantum realm, which is a singularity with a potentiality for anything to be true, a bit like the thing you said before, or a, 
you know, a, a rabbit with three heads and, mm. and the body of a horse I'd, or whatever. I'd love, I'd love a little pet Spyro when I die. <laughs> <laughs> What's what? A pet what? Spyro? A little pet Spyro, yeah. You know, a little purple dragon thing. <laughs> I've never even heard of this, so it's kind of like... you a... never heard of Spyro? It's my favourite game when I was a kid. <laughs> Is it right? No, I misspent youth for me, I think. But, um... oh, I miss those days, the old PlayStation 1s. Back when yeah, games were all so simple. Show my age now, because it was uh, Space Invaders and Astro. Oh, yeah, of... on the old Atari systems. Yeah. 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 Still got even... one of those old Ataris. I think, doesn't I think work. I was the first ones to get a ZX80 to... There were the programming of about seven lines of code, and that was it. That's yeah. all it could help. <laughs> Still, loads of people bored it. It's like, it's yeah. just obviously purely just because it's a computer coming mm. out. I'd like to see kids these days try and work DOS, DOS games. Mm. Do you remember the old Jazz Jackrabbits and things like that? Yeah, well, just to get them yeah. off the phone, period, it'd be quite cool because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. 90% addicted now, isn't it? So. I know, it's, it's, it's sad, but there we go. That's the way things go. So, you mentioned about quantum. Um, that's you know quantum physics is often used as a way of describing consciousness or a, a way of explaining certain parts of consciousness, and it's notoriously goes along with the uh, the word woo, which is something I can't stand. And you know you, you always get referred back to Deepak Chopra and things like that, especially from the skeptics. So do do you think that there is a great misunderstanding between consciousness and quantum physics, or do you think that there is some explanatory power there? Yeah, well, the Copenhagen one is the kind of one of the early ones uh, with Bohr and whatever. And I subscribe to that because I think there's actually a lot of evidence that's discarded. Um, there's evidence just by virtue of how it works, and there's really not that many interpretations. But also, then you've got things where you have uh, the ability to change random number generators uh, by virtue of intent again. Um, so it might be like 40, even for kind of novices, it could be like, I don't know, 42 when it's supposed to be 50, 50, uh, 42 being the ones that you, when you're trying to get them, you, you know, get 58 to 42. Um, and it's just trial time and time again. And the skeptic will say, oh, you know, that it wasn't set up properly with the lab and whatever, but it's, you know, at least at the very least, it's something that can be provable whether you like it or not, that's, mm. that's, that can conform yeah. to the scientific method. So. I mean, one, one point that Jeff Hall brings up, which is very relevant, is that there's, there, you know, people, the skeptics are always, you find, producing negative results, whereas the believers are producing more positive results, especially, um, I can never remember the guy's name who works at the, the IONS, but um, his, his studies are often criticised because replications often by skeptics show negative results, and you think, well, we're not assuming. We're assuming that there's no effect from the intention of the researcher, because especially mm. if if there is a connection between consciousness and quantum events, and that the brain and intention is somehow related to the, to that, that that mm. intention will alter the effects. And the problem is, is any controls are designed specifically, mm. as Jeff says correctly, to remove any kind of intention. Mm. So you'd never find. That if that is the case, no. And I think that the good news, the good news is that it's powerful enough to override that. There's a, there's been a lot of research on that, meta, you know, metadata, and there's an effect called like the sheep and goat effect, which is exactly what you're talking about. Where uh, it sounds like a philosophy of convenience that someone might say, you know, well, I'm going to now spin the psi wheel. Uh, you tell me the direction, and I'll have no hands, no convection, or whatever. It's something I can do myself, by the way. This one, 
and someone else tells you what to do. So it's not like a subconscious blow, you know, like a wait until it moves. They kind of control you to control it. Um, so the point being is that if there is a negative mind within there, then there's no reason that couldn't potentially have an impact um, because of what we just said, that it, there's maybe a potential cancelling out. But, but notwithstanding that, it can still be demonstrated anyway. So it, it can impact it, but doesn't negate it. So, so you know, so, so, the, so it, still, it can still pass that test, fortunately. If it couldn't, then it would be very difficult because the sceptics who want the evidence all the time will never get it because... You know, but that happens with placebo as well. I mean, that's what makes me laugh about placebo is that it's it's an, a punchline. It's just an accepted phenomenon. No one almost questions it in the science community. Nobody does. But it's actually metaphysical because it's saying that with an entity that is benign, it can create an effect which is if, as if, as if pharmacological impacts. So and I say, well, that's just the mind. Well, even so, that's yeah, then that's generated. extraordinary, isn't it? Exactly what it is, yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes it's not just something, if it was just like, I've got a headache, here's a placebo, no, I haven't. You could say that's like taking your mind off it. But in my book, there's an example where there's a young lad who, um, some kind of young consultant didn't realise how bad his condition was. It was something that was certain to have died of, and it was ridiculous, like eczema all over the body. And the soup, he just questioned the, the senior consultant said, have you considered like, hypnosis? And he just said, if you want to give it a try, go ahead. Um, obviously quite cynical because of the fact that it was a lot worse and this other guy didn't realise it was terminal, if you like. But the important part probably is the fact that he focused on different points of the body as well. So he got rid of it on an arm, for example, and it went away, it disappeared, it came back. What's important for me about that is that if you make an argument that it's just to do with tweaking the sympathetic nervous system, then you would expect that effect to be kind of global around them. But the fact that they've focused in on a specific region, it's corrected it, they come back to another. It can no longer be about that. So it's something very powerful, you know, for a mind-body connection, which is what that's all about. So there's metaphysics everywhere and they're just, very, you know, Sheldrake and whatever, just get blasted out of the water all the time as, as deemed woo-woo and he's just as qualified and just as bright if not brighter than Richard Dawkins or whatever it's just it's just yeah I mean you know, fo folks like Richard Dawkins are you know very well they you know he knows what he's talking about he's a very clever bloke but the, the reason he's so prolific is because he's loud and <laughs> yeah. you know he, he's he's appealing to to what people like in terms mm. of the way he approaches it. and for you know for dogmatic religion I agree with him that you need to do it but you know when it comes to ridiculing people that believe something different right. let them get on with it as long as they're not bothering anyone you know but like i say a lot of that already exists in terms of how you know there's misinterpretations for example of which are kind of fairly obvious anyway like when you've got entanglement there's already an issue which is a real problem for someone who believes in you know the methodological naturalism is that when you've got say a million uh, miles apart particles even though you can't communicate the instantaneous reaction it can be recorded and then at the speed of light communicated well that communication is almost irrelevant the fact of the matter is a, an entity a phenomenon 
at one point and one completely apart in terms of what we would consider space and time um, is at an instant affecting each other. Now, it, the way the fact that one is an up and one's a down is giving an indication of the fact that it's not just like a lot of particles which are entangled, but within our physical material realm constructs and rules, they are still deemed as separate. separate. This is something that is, is one of the same entity and it's not just a twin, it actually is a reflective of the same thing. And when you realise the fact that there is no space and time anyway, then, of course, it's just kind of half-half split and it really is together and we're looking at that split nature in two points and therefore seeing two separate two separate phenomena, if you like, which even with normal phenomena, you know, so a dog's tail um, and a dog's nose is ultimately one within that singularity, but the way the construct works, you know, the binary and whatever, but this is kind of disobeying and that, that tells a huge story, but they just ignore these things. It's these shut up and calculate. And the same thing with uh, the liver experiment where there's, you know, there's, there's what they call like a causeless cause. And they're always trying to look for something that triggers it because they know the volition part comes quite late in the game. So it's kind of like, if you think it's happening then, then they'll kind of acknowledge that the motor action begins and the process starts at what appears to be an arbitrary point in time, but it's not a decision that's been made, even though instructions have been given to the mind. So it's not random because it's something that's been instructed, understood, and it occurs. And they just see that as a cause as cause, and they're kind of like, it's a real puzzle. But when you realise the linear time aspect isn't there, and the intent itself was what caused it, and there's an augmentation into reality of how reality flowers based on it, because it's only ever binary anyway. So, you know, there's, there's certain interpretations that, in some sense, can't really have any alternative one. And it, and it applies to the, the double slit experiment as well, with the which way, you know, one has information, one doesn't, and, and, and therefore one of them has the um, position where it lands within the, the interference and the other one has an alternative one. You've got two separate realities. And it also, more importantly, appears that it's retrocausality and it's going back because, because you've looked on the other side of the slit, you know, and, and if you kind of <laughs> personify it, so you say, well, it, it doesn't like that because you've looked at there, so you're going to know where it's come from. So even though it's already gone through, it's now going to go backwards and come through, you know, and, and repeat itself and come through, which implies that it's... But, of course, if the intent was to look at the information and it's more than intent, it's an inevitability, then that's already set. So it... In the, augment, the augmentation process, it only could follow that one route. It's not as if it's gone backwards and then gone back and followed a route because of it. it. It never did anything but follow an inevitable route that was set by the intent. So that's why I sort of, coming back to your original question, say that everything is intent and non-randomness and, and, and even the part where it lands. Um, so if you've got the which way information, then it's, it now seems to have, as you would say, two choices, binary left, binary right for the, the slits, which appears to be potentially to someone um, who's not a party to the algorithm and the intent would say that it's now like a random choice of those two points. 
And when it's gone through one of those, it's now a random position along that vertical. Um, but, you know, that, not knowing the intent and how that comes about and where it's placed, given, in fact, of course, that the idea that I'm uh, saying with the primitive consciousness is that, that the whole experiment and the whole equipment and whatever is a singularity anyway. It's the mind that kind of creates that. Then, 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 and of course, there's intent because the whole thing is is created by collective consciousness, and that's not there's no randomness whatsoever. The whole of the universe, the physical universe, is a very, very, very precise mathematical construct and not random at all. So, that's not to say that there's no kind of free will, by the way, because the intent is delegated. So you have intent, I have intent. I would actually argue that as you become more enlightened you can use that intent towards definitive outcomes that are beyond intent because they're like inevitabilities, which is starting to then talk about what the law of attraction is and synchronicity. Um, so if you, you know, got someone in hypermania or whatever, they can potentially have greater synchronicity and start to have people they need on projects and everything falling into place way beyond coincidence so to speak and mm. and again a lot a lot to do with what the intent is the positive energy for it and whatever so sorry god you're mm. gonna ask a question mm. i think one of the um difficult things in this kind of theory is to describe or define exactly what we mean by consciousness because when people think of consciousness we think of kind of self-awareness sentience um so do you think there's a difference between consciousness and self-awareness or sentience so um like you'd say that a pang psychist would say that a rock is conscious but not sentient and that there's a real key difference between consciousness and sentience but that's very difficult kind of to get your head around do you think there's a difference yeah i think that for a third world model of where we're at in this realm then there has to be like a collective element of like neurons and their own individual points of consciousness um so a rock doesn't have that so it exists it will it will have a point of consciousness um that makes it of the world and have structure and whatever and have its binary based around it but won't be aware and ants and then and then you would go up the the the, the progress along the food chain and then and as you do then the new i think it's very important that there's a neuronal gathering you know that the, there's points of consciousness that are represented in binary form would also represent the, the the points of consciousness that are in, for example, the neurons. And it's those working in uh, unison that create the access to the qualia, the access to the intelligence part of the realm and understanding and whatever. So, so if you yeah. need that kind of the brain, to put it simply, if you need the brain as an instrument to be self-aware, how would then that explain these... Uh, experiences while out of body with when that that isn't available because, like during the near-death experience yeah i'd say that the brain is kind of the it's actually an attenuation of the situation and that's why to transcend is important because the brain actually can go two ways as it evolves so you've got with it being an egoic mind and brain then it means that the human can either become so obsessed with the drivers that underpin biology and, you know, the, 
survival of the fittest and whatever, hence you get Vizos and Gates or whatever that, that can never quench the appetite for power and wealth um, and, and don't see the truer reality. Um, and therefore, the we're at a point being a human as opposed to, say, a rat, where there is a where it can go either way in some respects. In one way, it can be, uh, you know, you can kill each other over belief systems, not just over, you know, scarcity of sex. Or scarcity. Yeah. Um, so with, with the um, human brain, I go with the kind of it's a receiver. And not only that, it's, it, it attenuates and, and hence why we have limitations on colors and there's no reason that with tweaking the inputs into a human brain can allow sonar, it can allow the, a whole array of different experiences, conscious experiences from the quantum realm. But because of the game of the construct within the physical realm, there are specific evolutionary needs that have allowed the brain within that video game, if you want to call it, to, to, to be limited specifically for for that experience and there's a, there's a good example of this where there's a, a guy from sheffield in england uh, he's got an iq of 125 and he's got a degree in mathematics yeah. and at the same time he's got something like five percent of the brain yeah, matter hydro, severe hydrocephalus is it yeah but like mm. to the real extent that it's ridiculous it's a joke and yet that is almost like what you're saying about that potentiality for astral projection and near death, because even though it's an important fundamental aspect, and then you've got the other side of things where you've got autistic savants or whatever, who may have a sense of humor issue or an irony issue, or can't even do the shoelace issue, but they can do things that are pretty much really mm. almost what you deem supernatural of reading a book. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the I mentioned the hydrocephalus case to uh, Gerald Burley, who's an anesthesiologist, a big near death experience skeptic. Um, do you know of him? Oh, yeah. no, and, I'm, no, I'm and his explanation for that is that although the brain, the physical brain matter isn't there, the neuronal connections are still within that fluid, which will enable kind of general hmm. consciousness to 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 be an even intelligence. So I wonder what your take is on that. <laughs> I think he's looking for the atheism in the gaps, <laughs> to be honest, but rather than the God in the gaps. Um, I think, I think there's, I think the fact, the, the most important thing for me is that to start at the basis of the fact that with things like we talked about this last time, with the fact that yes, 99% of humans will say that a red rose has a petal and the petal is red. Now you can absolutely 100% prove that there's an invisible waveform and the way that it goes through various different stages from the retina to the electrochemical signaling into the brain shows that there's an experience and it ultimately requires consciousness to create the experience of red because it it just is not that the object you know the, the map isn't the territory and and systematically breaking down what reality is and problems that exist with photons that go from the sun to, to Pluto, past the Earth, and they do so where there is no space and no time from their perspective other than mind, then there is a fundamental problem there in the fact that it's saying that there is a singularity that the Earth doesn't even exist and it crushes, just as a table does in quantum physics, but the whole thing isn't. So 
I would turn it on its head and say, actually, he's measuring systems within a what he perceives to be a true physical material realm. So the trick is first to prove to them through masses of evidence that that just isn't really what seems to be happening. So it wouldn't matter, you know, obviously there's a construct game and therefore there's different elements. So it doesn't mean that anything goes because it's very strict within the games and the binary and whatever, but to, to, to turn it on its head and actually show that nothing really works as it appears to be and that anything that's deemed knowledge isn't knowledge because anything within the physical material realm that is measured is just a lie anyway. And if you can prove that, then all of this scientific supposition can be shown, you know, shown to be shown to be just uh, knowledge of of the, the illusion. of the illusion, exactly. Yeah, and I really think that's probably where the main focus of the whole journey of the book that I've done is focused heavily on that, because systematically showing that, because of course, cradle to grave. That is, it's the Plato's cave shadows and whatever. It's understandable that people would believe in the, you know, the 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 the, the accumulation of various senses joined together are infallible, and even scientists will do that because they have to buy into that element because that's what life, you know, that's it just feels right. But just because it feels right, that's not scientific in itself. So it's kind of paradoxical that the science itself can lead you to everywhere apart from the last point, which is the understanding point, but it can do everything else. It can show all the evidence. So, so that, that's kind of, you know, that's it in a nutshell for me. Yeah. I mean, as you say, every method of, of, um, of measuring and quantifying the world is quantifying, as you say, the illusion. Um, Mm. and the problem is, is that science, would would dictate rightly that if there is if this is an illusion it's our job to kind of show and, and prove that and they'd say there's little evidence to support that this isn't exactly how the world is true and that's i guess why it's uh, many years of the work and and, and writing to, to show it but there's uh, countless like just the quantum physics alone is showing it like i said the you know, the, the issue with the photon, the issue with singularities, because, of course, it's the same thing. It's already happened to a degree anyway, even though it, it, how profound it is, is forgotten. This is just level one, which is the Newtonian, two, two no, Newtonian aspects. One is the nature of time, which, which he obviously felt was an absolute. And again, humans will think it's absolute. So Newton says it, humans will believe it, it feels it's true. Then there's the apple drops and you can understand maybe the earth goes a little bit towards it. It's almost like a magnetic sort of sense. That's how he paints that as well. Those two are very intuitive. They're kind of what 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 you agree, the same with the red rose until you kind of go deeper. And it's the same sort of situation. But along comes Einstein and, and they're completely radically different. So now you've got Einstein saying that past, the present, the future uh, stubborn illusions they, they, there is no distinction that is so counterintuitive that you'll live your life as though Newton is correct but it doesn't really matter how you live your life and the fact that it's within that realm where there is a feel of linearity truth is truth and the truth of Einstein was greater 
and the same with the uh, with the, the the gravity of being the bending of space time. Now, I would argue actually that that is part of a construct that creates the binary, con you know, the manifestation of that to fit within how the physical material realm must be to make it an immersive experience. And when you break that binary down, then you look at things like dark matter, and it's a manifestation of the binary, not just that is the the binary that's sense sense perceived and therefore creates the galaxies or whatever, but the binary that is around those to create the manifestation, and therefore um, because there's within the realm and the construct that it works, there's energy required in terms of how our system is. Again, it's another story about what is energy really, but in terms of how the construct works, um, then, then that offers an explanation of how uh, the galaxies don't work as they anticipate. And there's this perception of dark matter. And likewise, there's explanations on the binary and holographic construct for how dark energy works in an acceleration in terms of how multiple universes exist but aren't what they think which is never the twain meet the point being every individual point of consciousness has its own 13.8 billion years of data points that it's centered around outside outside of that realm but it's still at, in that let's call it singularity there and that's quite easy to prove really because if you're on earth and i um teleported at an instant uh, I don't know, 10 billion light years away notwithstanding we won't be able to see each other because the light you know but in a now time 2020 you're here 2020 i'm there you look around you and you will see obviously notwithstanding 300,000 years with the non-photon activity but just to make the maths easy you will have access to data coming at you at 13.8 billion years with the age i'm not even talking about covariance in the fact that it in an expanded universe it, it, you know, its position now is different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 13.8 billion years worth of age of the universe and therefore 13.8 billion years worth of data. And that data at the most furthest extreme hitting you is, is of that age. But my position is at a different center point. It's still 13.8 billion years worth of data and it's a spherical entity. The point being is that I will see things that you won't because I am not at the same point you are. And it kind of makes sense, of course, because if you've got, got all that is around you, then how can it be the case that if I transport somewhere else? Um, I mean, they try and talk about this in terms of the fact that it doesn't matter where you are in the, in the universe. Or whatever, but I'm kind of saying that, you know, that your fingernail and, and a sort of cell in your finger has its... Big Bang and 13.8 billion years with the spherical data around it. And it's so imperceptibly not that much further than your nose that the intersection is so massive that it's 99 point whatever recurring of the same information data, you know, the data binary points if you want. But it becomes radically obvious when you move someone into a completely different realm. And this starts to explain actually what the true interpretation of the uh, twin paradoxes so at the moment there's a maths that kind of shows it but the maths is only a descriptive it's a language that's what my background is mathematical sciences and whatever it's a, actually a language i don't do as well as say logic but it's a language all the same and it can take you to somewhere and it's a nice neat concise version of explaining a reality 
but it's no different from if you can get your head around using language, you know, normal English language or whatever. It just happens to be neater and more concise or whatever. So the point being is that those two um, two different positions in the universe are, well, <laughs> the paradox, of course, is we're saying that they are, you know, your point of consciousness is concurrent and in the singularity is mine. But mm. as it happens where it's put out into a perception of sing you know infinite points of consciousness then they're in different state you know different different geographical positions with different mm -hmm. data points did that make sense by the way or was that a bit uh, it's so? deep yeah I'll probably take a couple of, of watches to get it but okay. yeah but that's that's the idea <laughs> these things you know it's going to take a while to to really sink in <laughs> but that's why that's why i record them I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Seeking Eye Life Exploration Podcast. If you did and would like to continue following my research, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel and following the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. You can also join our Facebook discussion group. You can find the link to this and other Seeking Eye online profiles at seeking-eye.com. Thank you.